Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks. We give you praise, Lord God, for the bread of the presence, Lord Jesus, as revealed in the uh, Old Covenant, Lord Jesus, and as revealed in the uh, Tabernacle, Lord Jesus, the bread of the presence. And we thank you for the bread of your presence today, and we thank you for, for the wine, Lord Jesus, and the New Covenant, and all the wonderful things that you've blessed us with, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, and celebrate your resurrection, Lord Jesus, as we're in the season of Lent, Lord God, and we're moving up to uh, where we celebrate Easter, Lord Jesus. But Lord, as it says in your word, without the resurrection, the cross has no power. And we thank you, Lord God, for the cross, and we thank you for the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. God is good, amen. amen. So... Uh, as I was uh, just reading through my little book this morning, I, I stumbled across this one of today's readings, um, and it's from Nehemiah. So you have to uh, get the content, go to the contents of your Bible. Where's Nehemiah? Uh, go to Nehemiah, and uh, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. So the book of Nehemiah and verses 9 and 10. Hallelujah. Sorry? Oh yeah, that would help, wouldn't it? Um, chapter 8. Chapter 8, sorry, verses 9 to 10. Yeah. So Nehemiah, chapter 8, and verses 9 and 10. And here it says this, it says, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Great verse. That is really, really wonderful verse. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, obviously, we all know what today is. It's a Sunday, right? Um, and there are two really important days in the Bible. Obviously, one, the, the, the most famous one, uh, as we know from the Old, Old Testament, is the Shabbat, the day of Shabbat, which is the day of rest, which was on the seventh day. But there's also another day that's really important in Scripture as well, which is often overlooked, which is the day that creation began on, which is the first day of the week, which is a Sunday. And so when Jesus rose again from the dead, we know in the Gospels it said he rose early on the morning of the first day of the week, which is a Sunday. Okay, so creation was, began on Sunday. Then the new creation came out of the grave on Sunday. And then when Jesus returns, at the, I guess at the end of 6,999 years, Jesus comes in to bring a Shabbat of a thousand year reign upon the earth. Uh, this is what you read that in, in the gospel, not the gospel, you read that in the book of Revelation. So Jesus rules and reigns for a thousand years. That's, that's not a Christian concept, it's a Jewish concept as well. It's in the Talmud and etc. So it's an old, old concept. It's not something that Christians came up with because we're just dispensationalists and we just fancied making that up. It's actually based in scripture and it's based on a lot of Hebraic thought as well. So, so Jesus rules and reigns for a thousand years. So he brings the, the Sabbaton, he brings in the, the, the Sabbath rest for, for the nations. And then we come to the end of the Sabbath uh, thousand years. So let's say 799, so 7,999 years. And then we get to the 8,000th year. What happens on the 8,000th year? 
a new heaven and a new earth is made. Hello? Can you see now the importance of these two days? Not just the Sabbath day, but also the importance of the Sunday. And so, um, and that's why, you know, I've, it's, it's known quite commonly joked amongst the circles that I, I sort of move in. Because I, I do, you know, as you know, I do stuff with MDA, Mag and David Adon, which is the Jewish people, Jewish ambassadors. So they're known as the, the Saturday people and we're known as the Sunday people. Uh, and so it's quite, a, quite an interesting point. But th- so, so today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn. And do not weep. And as I was meditating on this this morning, I just felt we, we have to kind of be aware of what's going on in the world right now, don't we? It's, I, I find it really chilling and sinister almost when I go to a church and they, something may, um, uh, you know, catastrophic is going on in the world, but the church just failed to even mention it. I just think that's kind of a bit peculiar. It's like there is a world around us, there's stuff going on. So I'm going to say a couple of things, that not, to, not to put fear into you, but just to make you aware of where things are at. Now, I don't know if you know this, and you might think this is not relevant, but it really is, is um, over the weekend, um, Silicon Valley Bank, which is the 18th largest bank in America, decided to collapse. While we're all busy worrying about Gary Lineker on the BBC, something catastrophic just happened in America, of which there is a subsidiary of that bank in London. And you might say, well, what's that to do with me? I've never even heard of that bank. Well, they are, they're the bank that deals with most of the tech. So if you're a tech company, that's the bank you go with. Because like, you know, if, you're, if you do internet stuff, you do IT stuff, that's the bank. So what happened was, is in America right now, uh, in the stock market, there, that you probably don't know what I'm talking about here, but there's, a, there's these bonds, market bonds, where you can sell government debt. So they have a two-year bond, they have a five-year bond, a 10-year bond, so on and so forth. But the two-year bonds, the yield curve is just flirting with 5%. That's the danger zone because that's like, that's where the, the debt repayment becomes unsustainable or starts to become unsustainable for the country that's selling that debt. Okay, so this is America. So it came out as a report that they'd, they, they'd lost, I don't know, something like 2.3 billion uh, because of that. And I don't know why, but once the moment that that was released, I think, I think it's 48 billion, do- thousand, sorry, 48 billion dollars was instantly removed from that bank within the next sort of 12 hours. And then it went insolvent and then they had to shut it down and now it's gone into insolvency. So, but this won't affect you and me to start with because these are, this is the upper tier of banks. This is business banks. This is not what I'd call consumer banking, but it will affect us longer term. And so, you know, God is bringing shaking slowly but surely to our nation. You might think, well, that's in America. But unfortunately, one of their banks is in Britain. And uh, it was put on, I think, Sky News yesterday's uh, quote from, I can't remember who said it, but he said, the fact that the, the Bank of England doesn't understand just the ramifications that this has for the UK is, is to us astounding. Okay, because the banks, ah, it's not really a problem, blah, 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 we can, we can sort it out. Also... You know, in 2007, we could do things like QE, uh, sorry, yeah, quantitative easing, where you could just liquidate, put money into the system, so to speak. You know, there's a big hole. Let's just make some imaginary concrete and fill the hole. Okay, that's really what QE does. But unfortunately, we're now into QT, which is quantitative tightening, 
which means that we can't inject tons of money. It means that we can't really be bailing out lots of people because we did all that in 2007 and what they did is they basically kicked the can down the road for, they thought, hopefully a generation later. And so, we're, and so we've now got inflation starting to come in and inflation comes in and is led to hyperinflation when you start printing and devaluing your own currency, which is what we've been doing since 2007. But we didn't just do it for Britain, we did it for America, we did it for all of Europe. We practically did it for all of the, of the westernized world, which is, which is staggering. So these things are, are coming home to roost. You go, Chris, this is, this is not a nice positive Sunday, Sunday message. What's going on here? You're just filling us with doom and gloom. That's the point of this message here. Do not mourn or weep, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength isn't found in your security in your pension plan. Because you're probably not going to have one soon. Um, your, your security is not found in anything else. Our security is found in nothing else but Christ alone. Absolutely nothing else in Christ alone. And you see, we have a choice to make. There are two types of tectonic plates right now. You can be standing in the world tectonic plate, starting to vibrate a little bit, get a little bit, a bit, a bit shaky, and it will really, really shake and rock. Or you can stand on the tectonic plate of the kingdom of God because he, he is of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The trouble is, we're often like this. Ooh, ooh I don't like this. Straddling two places, the kingdom of God and the things of man. And I'm just encouraged that throughout all of times of history, God has always raised up people to help, help his people in a time of trial. You know, we know all the famous Bible stories. We know, we know of Joseph. You so Joseph was raised up. Really, he was there to protect Israel. He wasn't there to protect Egypt, but Egypt was mightily blessed through it. But that's who he was there for. He was there to protect the people of God. Esther, she became queen, not really because she looked pretty, or so that she could be the new queen of a, of a complete pagan empire, but actually she was there for such a time to protect the people of Israel. Daniel was not elevated and raised up so that he could just walk around all day going, look how wise I am, look how awesome I am. He was placed there by God to help Israel. In other words, God raises up people in time, in moments of times of history, not for the world, although the world get blessed by it, but actually for his people. And, and God is going to, God is, so in these times in which you're coming into, we're coming into now, you've got to be careful as well. Don't look here. Don't look there. Where's the man of God? Where's the woman of God? You've got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and he will provide people. And sometimes God will use complete, absolute atheists to help the church. AKA Cyrus. Did you know that Cyrus in the book of Isaiah is the only time in all of scripture where any time a pagan king was called the anointed one? Okay, so Cyrus, a pagan king, worshiped pagan gods, was used by God to bless the people of God. Hallelujah. So don't be surprised if someone that you don't particularly like, maybe in politics, suddenly becomes your best friend. All right? Don't, what do they say? Don't, uh, don't bite the hand that feeds you and that sort of stuff. You know, God's going to do some wonderful things. But do not be grieved. Uh, I think what God is trying to say this morning is that do not be shaken. Do not be grieved 
Do not be fearful. Do not worry when you see these things happen, happening. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. How many here, that's a rhetorical question because it might upset people. How many, how many deep down inside of you actually know and can feel it right now? The joy of the Lord. It's like, you know, those old coffee percolators go just bubbling away down there. Can you feel it? Yeah, that's good. Because that's what you want to be aware of when you start switch on Sky News or BBC News and you start going, oh my. You know, when you start to see empires and you start to see the kingdoms of man starting to fall. Uh, because you see, God's doing all this because he's going to do something marvellous in this nation. I can't speak of other nations. I only know what God has told me for this nation. And he's going to do something awesome. He's going to do something marvellous. But things have to come down to the ground before things can rise up again. It's like in the beginning of Jeremiah, where God says to Jeremiah, I've appointed you to tear down, to destroy, and to build, and to plant, and to bring up. And that's what's going to happen in these days. We're going to see lots of things torn down, that which is rubbish, that which doesn't hold and serve the truth, that which proclaims to say the truth, but doesn't speak for the truth anymore. It speaks for another word. Those things will come down. Anyway, so the backstory to this, this whole verse is from Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, Ezra, the two books, they go together, Ezra and Nehemiah, great little two books. So they're all about, really, the rebuilding of the outer walls of Jerusalem and also the rebuilding of the temple. Now, I think I've got the right period. So what's happened is, is Nebuchadnezzar came along a long time ago and booted the Jewish people out of their land, destroyed the temple, destroyed the, all the outer walls of Jerusalem, pretty much ground it to powder, burnt it so you couldn't do anything with it. And then the Jews were exiled off to Babylon. And then 70 years later, um, you've got Daniel and he's realizing that according to the prophecies of Jeremiah, this hasn't happened yet and it should be happening now technically, but it hasn't happened. So we have the whole story of Daniel, how he prayed and interceded. And then I believe this is the right king. Then from that time, then God moved Cyrus. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, moved Cyrus. And then, then he then handpicked some people that they could then, like a remnant, to go back into uh, the land of Israel. So that moves us into like, like the book of Haggai and stuff. And then we come to this, this really interesting bit in Haggai which I'll get to in a sec, but so the, all these people come back and they, and they were commissioned with the job of rebuilding the walls and rebuilding the temple. And so we have this wonderful verse. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. Why were they mourning? Why were they weeping? Because as they looked around them, all that they held dear was in ruins. The temple was destroyed. The wall there was no protection. The glory of Jerusalem is gone. And we could say that that's us today. We could say that we're in here. And you could almost metaphorically see that the church has got no roof. The walls are all caving in and collapsing because it's a picture of Christendom today. Christendom here in the West is in a really bad state of decay. Her walls are broken. The roof's hanging off. The rain's coming in. And it's like, great Lord, is this it? Man, is it? I, I always thought Christianity <laughs> had more than this, Lord. Is, is this as good as it gets? I mean, look at the state of the place. It's a mess. I remember the stories of my forefathers and how they saw great and wonderful things as you moved in their times. But Lord, what, what has become of us? 
And everybody in this room, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're young or whether you're old, okay? Everyone in this room, you know that something's not right. You know that there should be something more. You know that there should be more of the power of God in his church. Everybody knows it. And some of you here have seen it and witnessed it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it when God is moving in his church. And boy, it's, 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 it's amazing. And here we are in our ruined temples <laughs> with our broken down walls and our broken cisterns. And the message here is this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of of the Lord is your strength. And as I was kind of meditating on this passage this morning, I remember another passage which comes out of this from a different book, but it's based around the same time. And it's from Haggai chapter two, verse nine. Um, Haggai two, verse nine. And it says, well, I'll explain this backstory. So what happened was is they managed to build a new temple, okay? But some of the people there had somehow, I know they must have been pretty old, remembered the temple, the former temple. They remembered Solomon's temple. Now, you have never seen anything like Solomon's temple. I, I, I can't quite remember, but it, the amount of gold that was in Solomon's temple, they reckon amounts to something like 24 billion pounds worth of gold. Billion. Right? We can't even, we, 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 those numbers are thrown around all the time now. Like, oh, we had a five billion pound bailout. Well, oh yeah, that can't be much. Right? We have no idea how much a billion pounds is. Okay, is anyone, how, how much is a billion? Is anyone, you know, was it a million million? Is it a million million? A thousand, thousand million, because they changed it, no, it's a thousand million, right? Anyone here ever owned a million? Okay, right, okay. A, a thousand million, a thousand million, so that's a billion. And then it's, it's this, the gold in the temple was 24 billion pounds worth, okay? It's staggering, the amount of opulence and gold and glory even the doors were coated in the stuff. Every, all the wood panels, cedar panels, all throughout inside the walls, all overlaid with gold leaf and everything. I mean, this thing was just magnificent to the glory of God. And now, here comes this second temple being built. And well, it probably looks like this. You know, it's just this basic looking stone construction. No, no frills, no spills, just stone. And, and just doors and very bland looking and stuff. So I think it's in, I can't remember if it's in Ezra and Nehemiah, but there was people crying and other people cheering. So it's like, yeah, it's all going up, it's all going up. But there were other people mourning and crying because they remembered what the former temple was. And they're like, well, man, this, yeah, I get, I get why everyone's so happy, but this thing is not what, you know, what, not what we remember. And then we get this really encouraging word from Haggai. And this is relevant for us because we can look around at the church today and go, Man, this this just this, this is just not this is not good. You know, this is not what it used to be. This isn't what it was like during the charismatic renewal of the 1960s. Anybody there? Yeah. John was, but he's not putting his hand up. All right. So 1960s, the charismatic renewal, the 70s, 80s, and stuff, and it, it, it was powerful in its day. Then, of course, we had the great revival back in the 1900s. You had the Welsh revival, you had the Azusa Street revival, which basically jettisoned the whole Pentecostal movement across the whole world. You had uh, the 1930s revival, you had the 1890s revival. I mean, we have seen and heard of revivals, but we look at the church today and it's just like, man. But God says this the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. 
In other words, this broken old bag of ruins that we're in today called Christendom, you might think, well, it's not that bad, Chris. We've got, we got Hillsong, we've got uh, Hope Church, we've got all these great things. We've got some amazing stuff. We have got some amazing stuff, but we've also got a lot of rot as well. And, you know, I, I, I could just go down to my local town centre and find a lot of rot. I could probably come here. Oh, I am in here. I was like, I could probably find some rot in here too. It's everywhere. This is not what, this is not what we signed up for. This is like we, we always knew God was going to do something greater. But God wants to encourage us. And you see, in Isaiah 60 verse 2. Let's turn to that quickly. I want to encourage you because I reckon by Christmas time this year, the world that you're living in is going to look very different from what it looks like now. Uh, and it says this. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations, that's Gentiles, shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. As things are steady, I know this has, a, has a, obviously a prophetic uh, relevance to the nation of Israel but, but also I believe prophetically for us as a people that as we see on our news stations more and more darkness, more and more shakings, more and more things go to the wall and more of the systems of this nation starting to shake whether it's the monarchy or whether it's the political system or whether it's the financial system and even our state religious system, all those things will shake and many of those things will fall but that's the hope that we stand on that in those darkness, in that darkness and in those places of darkness, arise and shine for your light has come. In other words, as the darkness increases, I absolutely believe so will God's goodness in this land. As, as the judgment increases and the judgment gets stronger, this is not a judgment to condemnation, this is a judgment for repentance. That this nation will turn from her evil, wicked ways and will come back to the living God. If anyone's thinking what I don't think anyone is thinking that, but, you know, some people might go, what evil, wicked ways? I don't know. Just pick up a newspaper and find out for yourself. I don't know. But we have, our governments have brought terrible, terrible things on our nation. Our stock markets have done terrible, terrible things in the name of economics, where they have, where they've taken the interest of a country in poverty, made loads of money of it, and then caused another country to go in even more poverty. And while Christians are going, like, why people are saying, why is there so much poverty in the world? Why does God allow this? You say, well, go to the uh, London Stock Exchange and have a chat with some of those guys, because they'll tell you. It's not, nothing to do with God. It's called people creaming off other people's misery and making money and making money. And we use it and inject that into our own society to give us the economy that we have today. It's not all that. There's plenty of other stuff. But arise and shine, for your light has come. And I just want to start to... Just to end on this bit here, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, that's, that's the thing. That's, over the last few years, all I've really been teaching on, and everything that I teach on, it's all about intimacy with God, isn't it? It's like, man, there he goes again, intimacy with God, intimacy with God. Or, because that is the most important thing. Because I have to be blunt, that if you don't have intimacy with God, then you are not going to do well when everything starts to shake. You are going to be shaken with the world. But if you have intimacy with God, that's the thing that's going to sustain you. That's the thing that's going to give you that inner peace. That's the thing that's going to give you that inner joy. That's the thing, because without that joy, you don't have the strength. 
Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's what we need more than anything else. Is the joy of the, is the, joy of the Lord rolling around the floor and laughing your head off because the Holy Spirit's come upon you? Maybe. But it's also something that's deep within you that holds you firm and holds you true that even though you're going through difficult times and stuff is hitting you and hitting you and hitting you, you can, you can withstand it. I'm a Star Trek fan. Any, anyone here Star Trek fans? Yeah, there's a new series called Picard. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Uh, yeah, season three is really good. Anyway, so, so I liken our joy. It's a bit like, um, you know, when, when like the Enterprise is getting slammed by, you know, lots of like, phases and stuff from another ship. And you can see the shields that's protecting it, you know. With that joy inside of us, it will allow you to take those, those, those weapons from the enemy that keep getting fired against you, it keeps you strong in, internally, keeps that integrity within you. You have what they call ship's integrity. That's the inner strength of the ship. And if your integrity within you is strong, you are strong. And you have your own shields, you know, like on Star Trek, which is called the shield of faith. Hallelujah. And all of these things are there. All of these things are there. But, but, we, have to, ooh, but we have to be a people that know our God and walk in the ways of our God, and love our God, and are not pulled this way or that by what's going on in the world, although we are aware of the signs of the times. Because Jesus says, said, do not be afraid. Matthew 24, he lists all those terrible things. He says, hey, but don't be afraid. So are you kidding me? That's what he says, don't be afraid. Um, I saw this meme the other day, it was on, on Facebook, where it's called um, the reality versus the theology, and it's called, um, you know, do, do not fear, just trust in the Lord. And so there's this picture of this, this girl who's obviously representing the Lord and she's on a roller coaster. She's like, and there's this little kid who sat with her going, <gasps> and it's like the reality versus the theology. You know, it's like, yeah, say man, let's not fear. We'll, we'll just be there for Jesus. But the reality is like, ah, as you're on that roller coaster going. <laughs> and God sat right next to you going, oh, this is great, isn't it? This is great. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray in your precious name that in these days, Lord, as the shakings increase, Lord, and we see more and more things on the news that are going to alarm us, Lord God, I pray, Father, that by your spirit, that you, and I thank you that you're going to keep on increasing your joy and keep on increasing your spirit in this nation as well, Lord God. And I pray you make your church strong in these days. And I pray, Lord God, you break down the broken walls, Lord Jesus, and you refix your temple, Lord Jesus, your church, and make her glorious, Lord God, and make her more glorious now than she's ever been throughout history, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, give us your strength. But Lord, it's the joy which is strength. Give us loads of your joy, Lord God. Make us the happiest people on earth, we pray, in the precious name of Jesus, Lord, for your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen.